welcome to this week's New Zealand Initiative podcast with Simone White. In his recent column for Newsroom, Oliver Hartwich said the European Commission has so badly bungled the COVID-19 vaccine rollout that it will take years to fully vaccinate the whole of Europe at the current rates. Oliver joins us now to explain this further. Hi Oliver. Hi Simone. So countries like the UK, US and Israel have already started their vaccine rollout, but the European Union seems to be a bit behind. Can you explain what's going on here? Well, I think the European Union simply didn't handle the procurement process for these vaccines too well. Um, Initially, the Europeans were promised, pretty much like New Zealanders, that they would be at the front of the queue. Actually, not everybody can be at the front of the queue, of course, logically. But um, just as in New Zealand's case in Europe, um, these promises simply weren't kept. Um, Europe is now vaccinating. They started to vaccinate, at least, but they're doing it at a rate that would require them three, four years until they're basically finished with their task. And meanwhile, Israel is pretty much there, halfway. Um, In Britain, they've already administered 12 million doses of the vaccine, and the US is, of course, also in the middle of the vaccination program. Europe um, simply didn't handle this too well. Is there a lesson for New Zealand in all of this? Well, I think there are some parallels, of course, between New Zealand and Europe, but there are also some differences. The difference is, of course, that in New Zealand we are largely COVID-free, apart from managed isolation and quarantine. In Europe, meanwhile, they've had about 20 million cases so far. They had about half a million deaths, and um, many European countries are now in their second or even third period of lockdown. And so for Europe, it was simply more urgent to really get cracking with the vaccination rollout, but they bungled it. And the reason why they bungled it is basically because it takes a long time to negotiate anything in Europe. You have 27 different countries. Initially, the Europeans thought that was an advantage because you can bundle their economic firepower, their political uh, firepower as well, and get a good deal from these international pharmaceutical companies. And of course, you should be getting a good deal if you're Europe because a lot of them are European and they've got their factories in Europe. And still, it took until November until the Europeans actually started started putting in orders with these um, pharmaceutical companies. And just by comparison, I mean, the Israelis, the US and UK, they actually signed their uh, contracts with these companies around August. So Europe simply left it too late. So the reason I mentioned before was it took too long until you had 27 countries in agreement. The other reason was the European Union strangely put a focus on price. So they thought they could really just negotiate the companies down to the last uh, euro cent, whereas the Israelis, the British and the Americans actually said, no, we just want these vaccines now and we don't actually mind paying a little bit more. And actually, in Israel's case, they gave the pharmaceutical companies some really interesting conditions. So... Israel, for example, said that the um, pharmaceuticals would have access to health data after the vaccination rollout. That made it a very attractive proposition. Europe did none of this. Europe actually tried to negotiate down the price, and then they got surprised that that was not too attractive. So is the scandal in all of this in the procurement or in the fallout? It's a bit of both, actually. Of course, there were mistakes in the procurement, but as is often the case in scandals, it's the cover-up that makes it a lot worse. So first of all, the president of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, was absent for weeks um, when everybody really wanted to have an answer to what happened to that great vaccination program that the European Union was supposed to organize. Then when she turned up, she tried to shift the blame. So the European Union tried to say that it was actually the pharmaceutical company's fault because they didn't deliver. 
the pharmaceutical company said, actually, that's not what we had in our contracts. And um, the contracts were not released at the time. So the European Union started then releasing some contracts with some sensitive paragraphs redacted. Unfortunately, once you put them through Ecobert Reader, you could actually read what was previously redacted, so that wasn't quite uh, professional. The next thing then was that um, European politicians tried to have it both ways. For example, the um, German federal health minister was asked, well, why is Israel faster than us? And he said, well, because it's a small country. And then he was asked, and why are the United States so much faster than us then? Well, because it is a larger country. So you cannot really have it both ways. Actually, what Ursula von der Leyen said, she said, you know, um, Britain is so fast because it is basically a speedboat. It is able to maneuver at high speed, whereas the European Union is more like a tanker. Well, that's the kind of argument you would expect from a Brexiteer, but not from the head of the European Commission. And she made it a lot worse, of course. At some stage, the European Union, in all its wisdom, decided to stop the export of vaccines from the EU. Now, um, shouldn't do that anyway, but certainly not when it also means closing the Northern Irish border. You see, the Republic of Ireland is, of course, still a member of the European Union, but Britain, of course, left after Brexit. And if you stop exports from um, the European Union to non-EU countries, that would also mean a hard border once again in Northern Ireland. You can't do this because you're really torpedoing the Good Friday Agreement even if you wanted to do this, it would have been a good idea to check with Dublin first, and the European Union didn't even do that, so they had to backtrack and apologise to all governments involved, and it was just embarrassing. So what do you think is going to happen next? Do you think the President of the European Union's job's on the line? Well, I think in normal times it should be on the line. Um, there has only been one resignation of a President of the European Commission in history, and that was Jacques Santer, in 1999, and uh, the previous Luxembourg Prime Minister resigned over a corruption affair in his commission. Frankly, he didn't have much to do with that corruption affair. It was basically one commissioner misbehaving, and that was Edith Cresson at the time, a former French Prime Minister, by the way. And uh, Santer nevertheless didn't see any other way out and resigned together with his whole commission and was basically exonerated afterwards. Now, if that is the standard of political responsibility in the European Union, you might expect Ursula von der Leyen to take uh, that step and actually consider some personal consequences. Then again, she looks back on a long career in German federal politics where she sat through a number of scandals, also incidentally on procurement when she was defense secretary. So we'll see whether she stays in a position. I personally think that with everything that has happened at uh, the European Union level um, with regards to procurement of vaccines and the fallout of that scandal, her um, continued presence in that job may be unlikely. Thanks, Oliver. That's really interesting. And I'm sure this is a topic we'll be following closely over the coming months as the rollout of vaccine New Zealand approaches. Thank you so much.